today, we encounter one of those chapters that if we're honest, we all skip in our quiet time. We may actually read it, but then we're like, I don't know how to pronounce that name. I don't know how to pronounce that name. I, yeah, all right. So, so today, we put to the test the theory that all scripture is inspired and God-breathed, and we should not skip over any of it. And so today, we look at one that I've titled, That's Not My Job. I'll get to one verse in there in a minute. I'll get to a verse, but... And I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's five minutes to read it. There's a bunch of names I can't pronounce. And so instead of trying, I thought about having somebody else do the reading, like the ESV that I have on my phone. But then I'm like, no, nah, that would be goofy. So I'm going to read like five verses. We're going to walk through. We'll talk about it. But open your Bibles up if you have them to Nehemiah chapter three. Go ahead and get them open. Get them ready. Go ahead and get your journals open. We're going to look at that. We're going to read like the first five verses. And as you're turning... As you're getting ready in your spots, I want to welcome a special group of people here to chapel today as well. Today is a See You Friday, so we have a few guests with us. So if you are a guest here for See You Friday, would you stand up and let us give you a really loud welcome to Cedarville University Chapel. All right, let's dive in. I've got a map. How many of you like pictures? I like pictures. Here's a map. This map is from the ESV Study Bible. So it's, it's up here on the screen. It's too small for you to read it. All right, I get that. So what's my purpose in showing you this map? Today, we're gonna to talk about the building of the wall. All the different sections that encompass that building of a wall. And so I want you to look up there on the screen and look at the wall. It, this may not be exactly right. It's really hard to go back and do archaeological studies in a city that still has people living in it. They don't like you digging underneath their house and destroying everything. And so this is our best guess at what the wall would have looked like. And so they were building the wall and all of these different sections that we see here in chapter 3, this would have been a massive project. And it was accomplished in 52 days. How would you go about building a wall and knowing that you needed to get it done as quick as you could, as fast as you could, because you were going to face opposition, this is the size of the project that we see. All right, illustration. How many of you have ever had the thought through your mind, that's not my job? It happens all the time, really, right? It probably shouldn't, but you walk around campus maybe and you see something and you're like, oh, that needs to be fixed. Like you see a trash can that's overflowing or something, and you're like, yeah, somebody should empty that. I'm glad that's not my job. You go to a restaurant, because this never happens on campus here. You go to a restaurant, and there's like a bathroom that's flooded or overflowing or something, and you're like, somebody needs to fix that. Not my job. Maybe you're at a house, and at your house, you see like, I don't know, Six pairs of shoes laying around in the bottom floor that need to go to their bedroom or something. And you look and you say, it's not my job. Dirty dishes piling up in the sink. Glad I got mom around. <laughs> Clothes that are not magically disappearing through the laundry process and showing up folded in your room. And you're wondering, what in the world happened? The magic laundry person is not at work right now. So what? That's not my job. 
You see something that you know really needs to happen. Perhaps you look out in our world and you see something and you think that needs to happen. But then in the back of your mind, you're thinking, that's not my job. And perhaps you're thinking when you look at the size of something that needs to happen, I can't do anything to touch that. That's too big of a task. It's too much. There's no way I can even make a dent in what's happening. So today we're going to look at a text and we're going to walk through some of it. But the main idea of what we're looking at is that God uses normal people to accomplish his purposes for his glory. Now think about this. A wall being built around Jerusalem. It's not just about a wall. So don't, don't get lost in the details of a stone being laid. The reason there needs to be a wall around Jerusalem is because Jerusalem is God's city of his chosen people. And his temple has been rebuilt, but his temple is, is problematic because there are no walls protecting it. It could be over flooded. It could be overrun. And so in that process, the, the wall is in ruins. The city that God has chosen is in ruins. And so it's, it's not the same. We, we don't have a wall that we need to go out and rebuild. But the reason the wall was being built was because the glory of God needed to be established. And today we have an urgent need for the glory of God to continue to be established on this earth because he is a God that is worthy of worship. So whether we think about it in the context of our mission here at Cedarville to make sure that God is praised, to make sure that we are for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, whether we think about it in a local church context of making sure that in those local churches, the Lord is praised, that he receives glory, whether we think about it in a church planting context, whether we think about it in a global missions effort to the ends of the earth so that in dark places, the good news of the gospel goes forth and that God's praise is restored even in dark countries or dark places where evil seems to run rampant, we should be thinking about the bigger picture of God's glory and recognizing that even in those situations, God uses normal people to accomplish his purposes for his glory. How is it that the gospel gets to the ends of the earth? Blessed are the feet of those who take the good news. It's one person at a time going and accomplishing these things. So we look at a wall. It's one rock at a time being put back up or repaired or rebuilt. It all happens one step at a time. And God uses normal people. Now, if you're a normal person, raise your hand. Okay, everybody needs to get their hand up in the air. You think you're weird, you're not weird. If you're weird, you're normal for us because we're all weird. So if you're a normal person, raise your hand. Everybody get your hand up in the air, all right? Okay, thank you. We are all normal people. There's nobody in here that's super special. You're normal. We are all sinners in need of a savior, in need of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, given life to use it for his glory and his purposes. It's normal. It's all of us. Every single person. So our main idea here is that God uses normal people, me and you, to accomplish his purposes for his glory. So let's read our text. Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God, God's word. Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. 
They consecrated it as far as the tower of the hundred, as far as the tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Emery, built. The sons of Hassanai built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshezabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baanah, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Dear Lord, help us today to catch a glimpse of why this passage is included in your word, of what you want to show us or teach us through the inclusion of Nehemiah chapter 3, so that we may be conformed to your image for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. All right, I'm going to break this passage down today in three different sections. So we're going to look at three different aspects of this passage. All, all of these aspects are kind of all through the chapter. So here they are. Repair the wall, refuse to serve, and recognize others. Repair the wall, refuse to serve, and recognize others. So what we see here in Nehemiah chapter 3, we, and I've asked myself this question for the past two weeks. Why in the world is Nehemiah chapter 3 in the Bible? It's a fair question, right? Lord, why did you include this chapter in the Bible? It, we're talking about Nehemiah and his vision that the Lord has given him, that he presented, that he, he graciously, the, the ruler, allowed him all of the things he asked and even more. And he comes back and he's got this great glorious vision to restore the wall so that God's glory would be presented. And part of restoring the wall is actually building the wall. So how did the wall happen? So you can't really skip from they're going to restore the wall to the walls built. But spending an entire chapter with all of these names and telling you who all these people are and repeating next to him, next to them, next to him, next to them, over and over again, why is this chapter here? I think this chapter is here to remind us that God uses ordinary people like you and me, normal people like us, to accomplish his purposes on this earth, and we should be seeking to get engaged or plugged into what God is doing. So the question I'm going to come back to and ask you again is, what are you doing Right now, are you engaged in furthering the kingdom of God on this earth? Because if you're engaged in things that are just fun or things that are just secular or things that are just out there wasting time, you may not be engaging your life, your talents, your abilities in furthering the kingdom of God on this earth. You may be, in fact, wasting your life. Here, these people were doing normal, ordinary things. They were putting a rock on top of another rock on top of another rock. But yet they were doing this in a way that it was for the glory of God because it was for his purposes. So we start with repair the wall. Or you could say rebuild the wall, whichever. In this, we see as we read through this chapter that there's several different things. Organization, delegation, cooperation, and devotion. So let's talk about organization. This was a huge project. This huge project was broken down into about 40 sections. If you read through the chapter carefully and you underline every time it says next to him, beside him, beyond him, beyond them, next to them, it's all throughout the chapter. All of those phrases are used about 20 different times. So the way this was broken down is a huge wall and Nehemiah apparently used his organizational skills to say, this is a good section of the wall, this is a good section of the wall, this is a good section of the wall. So we gotta build all of this wall depending on who you talk to, two miles of wall or two and a half miles of wall. And all of this wall has to be built. We're going to do these sections. So we're going to break it down into about 40 different sections. 
We're going to put somebody then with delegation in charge of each section. As each section has somebody that's in charge of that, that person then looks at their section of the wall and they say, how am I going to get this section of the wall built? Well, we're going to work here, 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 and here, and there's going to be other people involved, and they're going to put these, these stones or these bricks, and they're going to put them on top of one another, and they're going to build the wall. Now, this is the exact way everything happens in life, so there's good wisdom here. There's a task that seems to be too large to accomplish. Like, say, oh, I want to be an engineer, or I want to be a nurse, or I want to get a degree in this, that, or the other. How do you do that? Well, let's break it down. That degree... That body of knowledge that you have to have to be really good at that is going to require a certain number of classes. Really smart people have figured out what classes it requires to get you to that end. So then you take one class at a time, built on another class, built on another class. So then you go to each individual class and really smart people, at least we hope so, really smart people in the front of those classes have decided that this class and this portion of that complete body of knowledge has to be done. And so they give you a syllabus and that syllabus breaks down that portion of that body of knowledge into these assignments. And these assignments will equip you to have this level of knowledge so that eventually you've got a wall of knowledge built to do what God has called you to do, but it's broken down one assignment at a time, one class at a time so that you will be equipped to do what God wants you to do. Same type concept. You can do it to anything in life. How do you organize You look at it, think about it, a degree plan, think about paying off debt. How am I going to pay off debt? Well, first of all, I'm going to recognize I need to pay off debt and then I'm going to develop a plan to pay off debt and then I'm going to implement that plan and that plan requires daily decisions, daily decisions to make wise choices so that I can do that. Maybe I want to buy a house one day, so I'm going to start saving money for that. Even in sports, you think about all the sports. So we got volleyball tonight. You just, I'm no expert in volleyball. I, I know nothing about volleyball, except I like to watch it. And it's exciting and it's fun. And our team dominates. But I know they serve. I know they have to block. I know they have to pass. And I know they have to kill. And kill means good because they hit it really hard and we get points, right? Serving is good too because sometimes we get points there. But you can break down any game, any sport into little pieces that help you digest it. So here in this, we see an example of organization. What is it that God has called you to do? Break it down. Figure out, here's my goal. Here's my life goal. Here's, and every good goal has measurable objectives along the way. Did you build your section? Did you build your section? So here we see organization. Here we also see delegation. What if Nehemiah said, hey, God's called me to build the wall. I'm building the wall. I got this covered. It's all mine. How long would it have taken him to build the wall? I don't have a clue. He probably would have died first. Somebody would have killed him because he would have been by himself. So he delegated things. You can go really fast alone, but if you want to do something great or go really far, you need other people to help you. Delegation. There's cooperation here. So look in verse one. You have Elisha the priest. The priest rose up and built. All right, those of you studying for ministry, that doesn't mean you can't work and work hard. I like that. Amen. (laughs) The priest built. They got their hands dirty. Great. They should. I'll talk about where in just a second. But they built. Men from Jericho, outside the walls, in verse 2, men from Jericho came and built. It took cooperation. The Tekoites, in verse 5, outside the walls, 12 miles south. We'll come back to them. They built. The goldsmiths, look at verse 8. 
In verse eight, it says next to them, the goldsmiths repaired. And next to them, one of the perfumers repaired. A perfumer repaired. A goldsmith, intricate, delicate work with hands to make gold things. All of a sudden, these people who are working with their hands and whose hands are very important to what they're gonna do, putting things together, making it look really good, are picking up rocks. Now, if I drop a rock on my finger and crush my hand, then my career is over. I shouldn't touch the rocks. I'm gonna stay back. You see excuses that could be made, but instead it took cooperation to come together to say, I'm not too good to think I can't do this difficult task. And they picked up a rock and they started working, even though they were goldsmiths and they were perfumers. There was cooperation. There were rulers, verse nine, verse 12, verse 15, verse 16, verse 17. People in charge of various parts, Politicians, if you will, actually built a wall. <laughs> oh, wait a second. I didn't mean that that way. No, 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 no. Because they're not building it. They're just paying for somebody else to build it. Anyway, they built it. Now, how often is it in our mind that we think we're too good to actually get our hands dirty? Hey, I don't want to go help those people. I don't want to go do that. That's a dirty job. Merchants and even daughters in verse 12, they built. They all built. So here's, here's an interesting one. Look at verse 11. This is a nugget. This is one of the nuggets. This is something I, I enjoyed learning. So Malchijah, now you got to be careful here because Malchijah is mentioned three different times in this chapter for three different people. So Malchijah listed in verse 11, the son of Harim. Now that's important. Why is it the important? Because there's three of them. But the son of Harim is also mentioned in Ezra and mentioned in Ezra 1031, if you want to check back. And he was one of the ones that Ezra commanded to purge of the marriage to the intermarriage. So he was one of the ones that got reprimanded because of his sin and his not doing what God had told him to do in Ezra chapter 10, verse 31. And now in Nehemiah chapter three, verse 11, we see that he's building the wall. So there's, there's a lesson for us there. Just because we've messed up at one point in time doesn't mean God can't use us at other points in time. And so if you've messed up and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not good enough to be able to be used by God to do anything significant or worthwhile in this life, that's a lie from the devil because the devil wants you to believe that so that you will never do anything good in this life. That is not the truth of scripture. The truth of scripture is that we all are sinners in need of grace and that God uses normal average sinners like me and like you to accomplish his purposes for his glory. So here we have an example of somebody mentioned by name in this work that in the book just prior to it is mentioned as somebody that was in trouble. I think that's neat. What a story of redemption and repentance. We think about devotion. All right, where did he put them? You'll see here, Elisha the priest, all of them they built in verse one at the sheep gate. Is that coincidence? I think it's probably just intelligence on Nehemiah's part. You'll see also throughout this that it says near his house or opposite his house. Jedidiah in verse 10, Benjamin and Hashab in verse 23, the priest in verse 28, all built opposite their houses. Zadok in verse 29. So he had people strategically building walls apart from their own houses. Now think about the logic of that. The priest built the sheep gate. What comes in through the sheep gate? I assume sheep. Why do sheep come in through the sheep gate? Sacrifices. Who's involved in the sacrifices? The priest. So 
do they want the sheep gate to look good? I would think so. Who builds the wall across from your house? If the wall is across from my house, that's going to be the best section of the wall ever built because I want that section of the wall to be the hardest to overcome so that they'll go to somebody else's house and tear down their section of the wall and take out their house and my family will be safe. So my section of the house has got cannons and AK-47s and landmines and it's just... It's got a don't mess with Texas, even though we're an Ohio sign on the front of it. <laughs> don't tread on me. I mean, it doesn't. It's got everything because that's my house. You get what I'm saying here, right? There's some wisdom in making sure that affinity is aligned with what you're doing. So whatever you're passionate about, you see God has given you a passion that's not an accident. He created you with that passion. He created you with those talents. You align those God-given abilities and that God-given passion and you go out and serve in the area that you are passionate about for his glory. That's what he made you for. But are you engaging, even now, don't wait till you graduate, are you engaging even right now in developing those passions and abilities to do things beyond yourself, the bigger picture? Why do I have to do this assignment? Why do I have to write this paper? Because it's one piece of a larger body of knowledge that builds the wall of resources that you need to go out and do what God has called you to do in life. The big picture. All right, there's also efficiency there. If I'm building right across from my house, my commute's pretty short, right? I get up out of bed, I go, I build, I get tired, I sit down, I go, I build, whatever. It's right here. All right, point number two. Refuse to serve. Look at verse five. This stands out to me. If I had read the whole chapter, which takes five minutes is the reason we didn't read the whole chapter. All of these people built, except in verse five. And it says, next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Now, if you're reading a different translation, it may say something about would not bend their necks or would not put their shoulders to the task. And the illustration or the analogy here on the not serving comes from like Psalm, 90, or Psalm 75, 5, where it talks about the fact that they were haughty in the neck. You think about the oxen, the oxen who would bend their necks so they could put uh, the, the things across their back so they could plow, so that they could, could work, and yet they wouldn't bend their neck. They were stiff neck. I'm not going to do this. The nobles didn't want to serve. So why did the nobles not want to serve? Well, we don't know for sure. The text doesn't tell us. It says they would not stoop. So that leads me to think perhaps at the top of the list should be pride, pride or arrogance, oxen who do not want the yoke. You think about it. How often are we too prideful to do what needs to be done? It's not my job. I'm not going to do that job. That's beneath me. Do you, do you recognize as soon as we think something is beneath us? That's not for me. What that's communicating about the condition of my heart at that particular point in time, I'm too good. But if our master who created us and died for us and redeemed us and adopted us tells us, do this, and in my heart I'm saying, no, that's not my job. The prideful arrogance that then has crept into my mind is an unhealthy, sinful arrogance. We get a test. One day your boss, perhaps your mom or dad, tells you to do something you don't want to do. 
Go clean your room. I don't want to do that. It's not my job. Wash the dishes. I don't want to do that. It's not my job. How do we respond? You've been there, right? We all have. Think about fear. Now, here's where fear plays in. I don't know that they were afraid, but maybe they were afraid of Geshem the Arab. Now, he was one of the people that were opposing that we just finished the last chapter with. Perhaps that's important because it's at the end of the last chapter, and we, we know that, that the, the Tekoites are 12 miles or 11 miles south of Jerusalem. They're really close to his region. He's really powerful, and he could bring them great harm. Maybe they're afraid. Hey, yeah, we're the nobles. If we go serve, somebody's going to say something bad about us. You know, if, if I post a photo of me doing that, then you know, somebody's going to target my Instagram account or my Facebook account or my Twitter account. They're going to say bad things about me. They might call me names. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I have a fear of man. Perhaps that's there. We can understand that. We experience that. Perhaps it's laziness. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to do hard work. Have you ever been lazy? Yeah. I suspect we all have. You say, I've never been lazy. Really? So you have put 100% effort into every paper you've turned in at Cedarville University. <laughs> uh-huh. I think you just admitted. All right, here we go. Moving on. What about apathy? That's not my job and I don't care. There's a problem going on in the world. And I don't care. Doesn't affect me. Not my issue. Maybe they had apathy. We're 11 miles south. They're trying to build a wall up there. The wall's not going to benefit me. My house is not inside the wall. I don't care. Build your wall if you want to build your wall. I'm not building a wall. Maybe that's what was happening. Maybe it was distraction. Listen, I can't build a wall right now because you see my schedule. My schedule is really important. I have a lot of friends and my friends have expectations and the expectations are I need to hang out with my friends. We do important things like play Xbox and look at social media and like binge watch Netflix, whatever show. For me right now, it's West Wing for like the eighth time. But anyway, that's a different story. But you don't like that one, do you? Here's my issue. There's nothing wrong with watching Netflix. There's nothing wrong with playing video games. There's nothing wrong with social media and balance. But if you are more involved in a virtual world than you are the real world, that's not in balance. And maybe what the Lord's saying to us is get involved in the real world, in real people's lives to make a real difference more than we care about the virtual world. That may be fun. That may be distracting. We can spend hours Netflix knows this because they start the next show within 30 seconds of the last show ending so that you'll never have to press a button. You could just sit there and watch all day long. Uh, the devil would love for you to do that and nothing else. Sit on your couch and watch TV all day long. Much more than going out and getting involved in somebody's life. All right, I don't know why. Perhaps we would say today, it's afraid to get your hands dirty. Uh, this is interesting. It's the home of Amos. Amos 1-1, he was a Tekoite. He was a shepherd in this area. I bet Amos had some nice words to say to them at that point in time. The Tekoites didn't follow their nobles, though. 
in verse 27, we see that the Tekoites actually not only built, but they repaired another section. They did a separate section. Now, there's a point for us here too. The nobles refused to bow their necks. That's important for us to note. But the people who served under the nobles, they built an extra section. Perhaps what they did is they saw their nobles' bad example, and instead of just railing against the bad example, they said, we're going to make up for it. We're going to build more than one section. We're going to work twice as hard. That means if you're ever under a bad boss or a bad leader or a bad somebody else, you don't have to mimic what they're doing. You can actually counter that by working twice as hard to do what needs to be done. They were seeking to serve, whereas the nobles were seeking not to serve. I think it's important. All right, recognize others. Third point. We see a chapter where all of these names are listed. All of these names are over and over and over and over again. Now, this is not a complete list. Ezra is not mentioned here. Nehemiah doesn't mention himself here. Also, Azer, E-Z-E-R in verse 19, and Baruch in verse 20, they're mentioned as repairing another section of the wall, but they're never mentioned in the first section that they were repaired. So when we read this list, we think, okay, this is not a complete list. This is just a modified list, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it being a modified list. But what Nehemiah does is he doesn't talk about himself. Nehemiah doesn't tell us, hey, I came up with this great strategy to build the wall and here's my plan and this is how I did it and I'm gonna write a best-selling book, How to Build a Wall in 52 Days and it's gonna make me a lot of money and I'm gonna be a social media hero because I'm gonna talk about me, 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 me and I'm gonna talk about all the things that I did that I did. No, Nehemiah never talks about Nehemiah. Nehemiah talks about all the people that did all the things to build all the stuff. So don't brag on yourself. Share the praise. Here, he lists all these people. So Nehemiah at least knew the names of some of the people that did the work. He may not have known them all. There may have been too many, but he shares them. And in Nehemiah 4, verse 6, it actually says the people had a mind to work. He gives them the credit for it. Now, here's another thing I want to point out too, and I don't have this list as a major point, but not all assignments are equal. It's not fair. It's not fair that some people built additional sections of the wall. It's also not fair that Malchijah had to build and repair the dung gate. I'm just saying, if anybody's going to look and say, that's not my job, that's the gate you don't want to repair, right? That's the gate where all the refuse goes out. And yet he repaired it. He repaired the dung gate while Shalom repaired the pool of Shalah in the king's garden. Don't we sometimes get envious? All right, God. Why do you have me down here working at the dung gate when they're over there working at the pool in the garden? We dig our holes wherever the Lord says dig your hole. There's an important lesson there. He didn't complain. He actually gets noted for doing the dung gate. Sometimes you're going to be at the pool of Shalah. Sometimes you're going to work for sanitation. Sometimes you're going to be in the garden. Sometimes you're going to be at the garbage dump. Serve the Lord wherever he puts you. Be okay with it. Be happy with it. Don't be too prideful. Don't say, that's not my job. All right, a couple more nuggets here. Eliashib, chapter three, verse one. We read his name. He later is the one in chapter 13, verses four through nine that creates problems for Nehemiah because he created the space for Tobiah. His grandson married the daughter of Sanballat. But Nehemiah didn't say, that's my enemy. He did some really bad stuff. I don't like him. Nehemiah said, he built the sheep gate. That's not the way we would do it, is it? Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, chapter 3, verse 4. His daughter is married to Tobiah's son. 
Now, family tensions may have played a role there, but there's enemies involved. And what you see here is that Nehemiah didn't say, that person is somebody that did something wrong to me. So when I write the history, because we're the victors, I'm going to make sure everybody knows everything they did and I'm going to talk bad about them. You don't get that in chapter three. He records the facts of what they did, but he doesn't talk bad about them all the time. It also involved hard work. They did multiple sections. It's not fair that they had to do more work. Sometimes we would say, all right, I'm doing my portion, especially group projects. Don't you hate group projects? How many of you like group projects? You lazy extroverts. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you hate group projects? You hardworking introverts. I like, right, I'm just kidding. I, I don't like group projects because I'm an introvert and I like everything done with excellence and I like everything done my way. That's the real reason, right? All right, it's gotta be done my way. So you add two other people into the mix and I'm like, nope, you're wrong, my way. Nope, you're wrong, my way. Okay, well, you're gonna do it my way? Great, I got it. So often in my group projects when I was in school, I just did all the work and presented it to them. Here's what we did. How do you like that? You can sign your name at the bottom of it. It's, it's done. Anybody like that in the room? Anybody? There's, all right, I'm not alone. That's probably some sinful pride there anyway. All right, it's just me, but group work. It's not fair. So here's what I want to say to you that this text says to me. Do your job and do your workload and quit trying to get out of work and quit trying to look and see if somebody else is doing less work and just do your stuff for the Lord. Is it wrong that I want to do an extra section for the Lord? No, not at all. That's good. All in balance, but work is unto the Lord. All right, give the glory to God. I'm going to wrap this up with some, with some application. Here's some application. First, be wise about your work. Be smart about how you organize your work. Any good goal comes with measurable objectives. Two, work hard. All things unto the Lord. Three, resist pride. This may be your greatest enemy throughout your life. That's not my job. I don't want to do that. I'm having to do more than they're having to do. This is not right. And four, care about others. If you want to be a leader in life, you have to recognize you're going to have to accept the blame, but you better pass along the recognition. If things go bad, my bad. If things go well, they did it. That's the way it should work. Nehemiah gives us a good example of that here. If you don't love people and don't know their names and don't know about them and don't care about them, why in the world would they even respect you? So here's your main idea. God uses normal people to accomplish his purposes for his glory. This happens at Cedarville all the time. We are an institution that's for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. We transform lives through excellent education and intentional discipleship and submission to biblical authority. On this campus, think about all the people that never get praise that it takes to make it happen the way it happens. Think about food services. Think about the custodial team. Think about the dish pit. The, the dish pit may be the dung gate of Cedarville University. I mean, I'm just saying, right? Think about your RDs and your RAs. Think about the grounds team that picks up all the trash, that cleans up everything. Let me give you a list of some names that I want you to think about. And then I've got one more application. We'll be done. These are people that when I put out on social media and I said, who are the people that never get praised that do so much around this campus? Here's some names that were listed. Amy Gilbert, Pam Miller, Paul Ware, Rod Johnson, Brenda Reed, Deb Wilson-Kiefer, Donna Pfeiffer, Campus Security, 
Doug Chisholm, Don Parvin, Lisa Battaglia, all of them, Stephen Gaines, the IT department, Larry Reed, Ellen Hansen, all of the administrative assistants that have to work with all of our teams and chairs, Pete and Chris Reese, Monty, Jim Hall, Rebecca Hallworth, Chris Algram, Becky Kuhn, Marcy Van Meter, Brian Burns, Lauren Kuhn, Phyllis Morris, Brandon Waltz, Kim Bostader, Kathy Avillis, Nancy Voorhees, Elvin King, Grant Knight, Bree Barnes, Darren Miller, Julie Sheridan, Amy Grooms, Michelle Solomon, Trixie Dobney, Kim Jennerette. The list goes on and on and on. Sue Biker, Deb McDonald, Nancy Ranger, Dave Hokey. Is Dave, are you up there? He's up there. He, he's been responsible for cassette tapes. Y'all don't know what those are. Cassette tapes, DVDs, VHS tapes of about 3,500 chapels in his time serving at Cedarville. Stuff like that could be said about every name I've mentioned in a different way of different service. Jeff Bates, faculty members, Nick Kerrigan, Lyle and Connie Anderson, Beth Porter, Jim Lightenhyper, Matt Bennett, Megan Brown, Anthony Moore, John Austin, Daryl Smith, Teresa Clark, Dan Estes, Roger O'Neill, Chris DeWitt, Betsy Linnell, Annie Zimmerly, Melissa Burns, Dr. Gallagher, Michael McKay, Taylor Ivester, Dan DeWitt, Mark Clemick, Billy Marsh, Sandy Yang, Rebecca Preed, Tim Phipps and all he does behind the scenes for the theater department, Nancy Ritchie, Rhonda Smith, George Huff, Huff and, and I'm out of time. So here's your assignment. I could keep reading names because all of you mentioned all of them. So here's my assignment for you as a practical application to walk away from this. Two things. One, are you involved in furthering the kingdom of God right now with your gifts? Are you working for his glory? Two, those names I just read of people that work really hard to make Cedarville the place it is and rarely ever get credit, will you today, even right now, just take a minute, pull out your phone and text them and say thank you for what you do or grab a sheet of paper and write a thank you note or make sure that you take note today of where you're gonna be and when you see somebody that's doing a job that never gets thanked on this campus because it's behind the scenes, they're building the wall. Will you just stop and say, hey, I just wanna say thank you for what you do. I appreciate the way that you contribute to making this place the place it is. Because without everybody, it doesn't happen. And far too often, we forget to say thank you to those who are behind the scenes. So let's be people of gratitude. Let's be people that recognize Nehemiah chapter three. It takes all of us to make it happen. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word, that you would help us to remember the things we need to remember and to forget the things we need to forget. Lord, I pray that you would use us for your glory to work for your purposes, however you see fit on this earth. And Lord, as we do it, help us to be joyful people that express gratitude to others in the process. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And you are dismissed.